Amen. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. We are in the book of Deuteronomy, and as we find ourselves today on uh, Thursdays, uh, we are actually in chapter 16. And as you are turning your Bibles to chapter 16, I'm just going to give you a quick uh, summary as to what Moses is actually doing at this time. He is actually talking to the second generation uh, Israelites, and we know that uh, he has been giving them a history of their nation. He has been giving them a history of their people, and he has also explained to them the fact that they have been given freedom from the oppression, from the slavery that they had in Egypt. And we also know that he's been giving them the instructions and the commandments of the Lord, what he expects from his people, what he wants his people to do. And so as we go through the word today, what is going to stand out is the fact that the Lord wants him to remember. Remember the time that they were freed. This is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the time that the Lord freed his people. He also wants him to remember that the Lord actually provided for them. He had provision for his people, and this is what he wants to talk to them about. And he wants to remind them of how they once lived. You know, these are the things that we're going to be going through today. And, and in talking about this, the reason why the Lord is speaking to them on these subjects is so that they can remember. Remember and rejoice in the fact that God is good. To know that God has done so much for them. To know that God has provided and freedom and, and, and you know what? Where they can look at their lives the way they were apart from God and now as God's people, as God has kept His promises. One of the things that we know as people is that we all tend to forget what the Lord has done. Especially when trials come. Isn't that true? I think that, you know what? We know that God is good and we know that He's great and we've seen Him. Do miracles. Each and every one of us have seen God do great and awesome miracles. But as soon as a trial comes, or as soon as something comes into our lives, we tend to forget how great God is. While today God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to remember, and He wants His people to remember how good He is. You know, one of the things that we need to understand is that you and I are children of God. And the God that we serve is a mighty God. He is the true and the living God. There are no other gods like Him. And we know when it comes to God, we know that God is the one that can bring life, life to the dead. There is no one that can do that but Him. When we think about our God, we know that our God is a God that brings down nations. He raises up nations and He's sovereign over all things. You know, when it comes to our lives personally, I think we know one thing is that when we're faced with trials, we know that God is there just holding us up. We know that when it comes to trials, that God is there for us. You know, when we see the giants coming at us, we see God destroying the giants. We see when the lions are there fierce and, and, and roaring before us, we know that God shuts the mouth of lions. We know that we're, we're, when we are in the fire, that God is not allowing any flame to touch us. And this is a God that we serve, the God that forgives sins, the God that conquered death. And so for us 
It is important that we understand these things, that we remember these things, because he is good. And before we get into Deuteronomy 16, let's, let's look at something that reminds us of how good God is. You know what, can we turn on the air conditioner? I think it's, it's warm in here. I see people fanning themselves too, so I know it is warm, so it's not me only. But if we can turn our, our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, it is a great reminder of who we were and who we are. And in verse 1, it tells us there, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And then we look to see what God has done. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, it's so awesome how Paul puts it, right? You know, I love the fact that he says, you know what, you were all dead. Apart from Christ, you were dead. And in Christ, he has made you alive. You know, when we look at our lives, how many of us were blinded to our sin? And yet God gave us sight to see the truth and to walk in the truth. You know, when we look at our lives and what we were before and what God brought us out of, think about the pits that you came from. Think about all the sins that you were walking in and, and the grotesque things that you were living out. And yet God was merciful, as his word says. God was gracious. God was loving. And we see what God does with each and every one of us. You know, as we think about these things, the Lord wants us to remember, you know what, who He is and what He's done in our lives. You know, we can look back and we can dwell on what we were, but God says, you know what, rejoice in the fact that I brought you out of the pits of hell. And I love you. And because of my love, this is what I do for you. You know, with that, let us go now into Deuteronomy 16 and let's begin to read what he has to share with us. In verse 1 he says, Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Therefore you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God 
from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. You shall eat no, no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. That you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt. All the days of your life. And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days. Nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight remain overnight until morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you. But at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight. At the going down of the sun and at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall roast and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Six days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. You know, as Moses is here talking, he's talking to the second generation, again reminding them. Reminding them about a time. A time that happened in their history. A time that their forefathers experienced. Many of them may have seen it for themselves, but may not remember. Maybe some of them do. But it was a time of their past. And he tells them, you know what? It is a time of the Passover. And what he says is, I don't want you to forget the Passover. And he tells them, you know what? On this day of the Passover, what I want you to do is I want you to have a celebration. And he says, you know what? I tell you the day to do it. He says, I want you to do it in the month of Abib. And when we think about this month of Abib, when is a month of Abib? For us as, as Americans, we don't, we don't have a Jewish calendar. You know, we have an American calendar. We have our calendar. But they have their calendar. And in their religious calendar, this day happens to be between the month of March and April. And he tells them, you know what? I want you to celebrate this Passover. This Passover that he's talking about is what we celebrate on our resurrection date. This is what we celebrate. This is what we celebrate when it comes to the, to the resurrection of Christ. And when we think about the Passover, right? It, you know, what exactly is a Passover? You know, when we think about, you know what? We know there's a Passover and we know that Jews today celebrate the Passover in remembrance of of what the Lord did and, in the com and following the commands of the Lord, but what is a Passover? You know, when we think about this, for us, you know, or for the Jews, the Passover is a day that, that death passed over the homes of the Israelites. And as we think about this, when we think about death passing over the homes, how did it pass over? See, the Jews were instructed. They were instructed on this day to go ahead and take the blood of a lamb. And the blood of the lamb, they were supposed to put it on the doorpost of their homes. And if they did this, then 
the angel of death, the Lord, would not take their firstborn sons or animals. And why is it that the Lord did this? Why is it that the Lord, why did he do this? I think for all of us, I think we've all seen the Ten Commandments, and I think they viewed this right on the History Channel. Do you remember that the Lord was asking Pharaoh, he was saying, Pharaoh, I want you to let my people go. I want my people to be gone, and you know what? Pharaoh wouldn't listen. Pharaoh kept saying, you know what? I'm not going to let him go. He would say, okay, I'll let him go, and then he changed his mind. And so God get, getting upset, you know, he kept saying, you know what? You're, I'm tired of this. And so the plagues became more severe and more severe. And so he finally says, you know what? I'm going to send one final plague. This guy will let the people go after I do this because it's going to hit his heart. It's that straw that broke the camel's back, but here it was going to break Pharaoh's heart. And so what he does is he sends the angel of death. And the Lord goes and he kills all the firstborn. And we know that Pharaoh was one of those that had a child. He had a son. And his firstborn son was taken from him. And with that, Pharaoh says, you know what? Yes, take the people. Get them all out of here. And we know that even the Egyptians, none of them wanted them there, right? They were saying, yeah, take them. And they gave them, they gave them silver and gold and they just wanted them to leave because they knew of what was, because they saw what was going on as they were held captive there. And we know that as they left Egypt, Pharaoh says, you know what? I'm not going to let them go. I'm changing my mind. I want them back. And so what he says is, he gets his army and his generals and he says, go get them. Go get the people. I don't want them to leave. I want them to, I want them to stay. And so what happens is that as they go after the Israelites, the Israelites see them and they're like, what do we do? They're coming after us. And so God does something that is so amazing that no one else could do. And he tells Moses, I want you to raise your staff and I will part the Red Sea. And so Moses does that and the Lord parts the Red Sea. And not only that, he dries up the land that the sea was on. Something that is amazing, right? And so they cross over. And as they cross over, they get to the other side and the army gets to the other side of the Red Sea where they began to cross and they began to go. And the Lord does an amazing thing there. He brings the waters and they all drown. See, this is a God that we serve. This is a God that can do these great and these mighty things. These are the things that God says, you know what? I don't want you to forget. You know what? I freed you from Egypt. I freed you from death. I did all of this for you, and I don't want you to forget. And so God told the Jews, he says, you know what? I want you to celebrate this time every year. And so for the Jews, this was actually their independence day. 
when they were freed. And so, what the Lord says after this, he says, okay, as we read here, he says, I don't want you to eat yeast for seven days. And we know that as he tells them, you know what, after the Passover, don't eat yeast. And so the Lord titles this, or this has been titled as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. See, the Lord told them to roast the lamb at this time, right? And he told them, you know what, take the blood and pour, put it on your doorpost and I want you to eat that lamb. And we know that all of this has to be done quickly. And because it had to be done quickly, we know that one thing about the yeast is that they had no time to put it in their bread for the dough to rise. Because it was a quick departure. It was quick when they left. And so the Lord says, you know what? With this quick departure, you know what? I want you to remember this time. And so for seven days, I don't want you eating yeast. And we know here that the Lord calls it a bread of affliction. You know, as he called it there, he says, you know what? This is a bread of affliction. And why did he call it a bread of affliction? Because it was a reminder of their slavery. But see, there's much more that yeast symbolizes. And I want us to understand this. I want us to comprehend really the significance of yeast. See, one thing about yeast is that yeast is symbolic of sin. Okay, one thing we know about yeast, it, it symbolizes sin in the Bible. It symbolizes wickedness. It symbolizes evil. And one thing we know about yeast, as we talk about yeast, is that its substance is very small. And it is very insignificant. But once you throw the yeast in the dough, it grows quickly. It grows quickly in the dough and it infects the whole lump. That's the way yeast works. When it comes to us, when it comes to sin, I should say, as yeast symbolizes sin, it works the same way, doesn't it? How quickly sin infects, how quickly it just destroys the whole lump. And this is what the Lord was reminding the Israelites. See, when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were enslaved. And they were also in bondage. And one thing we know about Egypt is that Egypt symbolizes the world. Okay? And so when we look at this, right, we know that as the Jews were in bondage to the world and to their sin, that what Jesus came to do is he came to free them from this. See, God saved them and God freed them. And so he tells them, I want you to remember this. And this is why I don't want you to put I want you to have this feast of unleavened bread. And I want you to do it for seven days as a reminder of the freedom that I gave you from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of the world. 
See, the old life that the Jews had symbolized slavery and bondage. And what the Lord gave them on this Passover day is he gave them a life of freedom. And this is what it all means. And this is why the Lord says, you know what? I want you to celebrate it. I don't want you to forget it. Now let's talk about us as Christians. See, because there's one thing about the Lord is he doesn't change, right? The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I want you to see how the Lord is going to speak to us when it comes to the Passover. Who is our Passover? Our Passover is Jesus Christ, isn't he? He's our Passover. And one thing we know about Jesus Christ is, wasn't he the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Isn't this what John said? See, Jesus is that Passover. And when he comes to us, it's important that we also view him in this manner. That you and I have passed over death because of what he's done on the cross. You know what's amazing is that we're talking about this and next week begins our Passion Week, right? I mean, this Sunday, actually, we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday. And we're going to be talking about the, uh, the Last Supper and, and then Good Friday and then his resurrection on Sunday. And we're talking about all of this. And you guys get a preview of really these things that all come together. But when we talk about Jesus, I want you to know one thing. That when Jesus died on the cross outside of Jerusalem, do you know what day he, he died on? He died on the Passover day. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that, you know what, just blow your mind that the Lord had the Jews celebrate this day because they were saved from freedom. And it was a day that they were freed. And it is the same day that Jesus Christ died for us to free us from sin, to free us from death, to give us freedom from this sin. See, the, do the day of the Passover is a day that Jesus was slain for our sins. See, one thing about the blood of Christ, what does the blood of Christ do for us? It redeems us, doesn't it? It is all about the blood. You and I have been freed because of the blood that Jesus shed for us. It was His blood that brought the forgiveness of our sins. It was His blood that freed us from sin, from death, from bondage, that saved us. And one thing that we know is that when each, of, each one of us, when we say yes to Jesus, when we place our faith and commit our lives to Him, when we believe in, in Him, the blood of Christ is what delivers us from the judgment of God. It is that blood that He shed, is one that He shed for our sins. See, when, when we do that, there is something else that happens in our life. 
When we say yes to Jesus Christ, when we place our faith in him, when we believe in his name, do you know what happens to that old man? The man before Christ? That man is a man that is crucified on the cross. That man is the one that died on the cross. His sins are the ones that were nailed to that cross. And the man that places in faith, his faith in Jesus Christ is a new man. He is a new creation. See, you and I, we were destined for destruction. But it is God that has given us life. You and I were blinded before we came to Jesus Christ. And Jesus has given us sight to see. You know, one thing about our lives is that, as Paul reminded us, we were dead. But Jesus Christ makes us alive. One thing we know about us is that God makes beauty out of ashes, doesn't he? You know, one thing we know is that God makes winners out of losers. This is what he does. See, what you see here, you see a changed man. And in all of you that have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, we are no longer the same. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We've been given a new life. You and I are not the same that we were before. And let us remember that. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell the Jews and what he's telling us today. You have the Passover so that you don't forget. I want us to turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord reminds us of the things that I've been talking about. The Spirit of God has just spoken, is speaking these words to us. He's saying, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, the body of sin might be done away with, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And we know over us too. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we are told here that, you know what, we've been crucified our old man is dead, and the new man in Christ lives, and he should live in righteousness and holiness. He should be walking in this manner. And I love the fact that Paul reminds us of this, and the Lord is reminding us of these things. How is it that we can continue to walk in this manner? 
You know what's key when it comes to our Christian walk? Is that we continue to feed this new spiritual man. The old man is dead, right? The man before Christ, the man of the flesh, he's dead. But how is it that we can continue to feed this new man? We feed him with spiritual food. And this is done through the word of God. This is done in prayer as we talk to our God. This is done in fellowship as you come to church. This is done when you come and you be a part and, and you serve in the body of Christ. I want us to turn back to Deuteronomy because there's something that is so key. And as we go back to Deuteronomy, we know that the Lord, He tells, or Moses is telling the people as He speaks for the Lord, He says to remember. He says, remember. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember all that he's done for you. You know, keep the Passover. Observe it. You know, he's telling them this in verse 1. One of the things that God tells us as his church, what does he tell us to do? Don't you remember him telling us as we take communion to remember what he has done? It's the same for us. Let's, you know what, let's turn. Let's turn to Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 22, I want you to see, as he's telling here in verse 1, he's telling the, in Deuteronomy, he tells them to observe and, and to keep, and, and this is what this message is all about. He, he's telling them to remember. Here in verse 19 of Luke 22, He says, and he broke bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. What you see here is the Lord asking us the same. Remember what I did for you. You know, the same message that he gave to the Jews is the same message that he gave to us. And one thing that we know is that we're no different. We are the adopted children. We are children of God, just as the Jews were children of God. And the same message is the message that he gives to us. He doesn't want us to remember to forget what God has done on the cross, what He's done in us. The fact that we were dead and we are alive, the fact that we can see that we're once blind, the fact that we are now in light, that we're once in darkness. God doesn't want us to forget. And as He closed out there in, in verse in, in chapter 16, he tells them in verse 5, he says, you know what? I want you all to come 
to the tabernacle or to the temple. He says, I don't want you having the Passover on your own anymore. I don't want you to just have it with your families. I want it now to be a central place of worship. This is what he told them. He says, you may not sacrifice the Passover in verse 5 within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you. But at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, there you shall sacrifice the Passover. He wanted them to come as a group and as a body of believers to celebrate, to remember what the Lord had done. This isn't all. There's much more. Let's keep reading in verse 9. In verse 9 of Deuteronomy 16, he says, You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Again, central place of worship, the temple or the tabernacle. And you shall remember, there it is, that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. He, was, he gave them, the Lord gave them instruction on something new. Or he had given it to them before, but this was a second generation. And he wanted the second generation to do this very thing. It was called the Feast of Weeks. And we know that he says they're to rejoice in verse 11. And he says, remember and rejoice in it. What were they supposed to remember? What were they supposed to rejoice in? This was a week that celebrated the Lord's provision. It was a joyous time of celebration. To know that God provided for His people. To know that God blessed His people. See, it was a joyous time celebrating the wheat harvest. And this is what it was. And how the Lord provided the harvest. He provided so much for His people. He abundantly blessed His children. And they were to celebrate and they were to give them a free will offering based on the abundance of what they received. It was all voluntary. In other words, this was a free will offering. In other words, he didn't tell them, bring this. He just says, you know what? Bring a voluntary offering based on how God has blessed you. And he says, I want you to share it with others. The actual timing of this festival or this celebration was actually seven weeks after the Passover. And one thing that we know is that seven weeks equates to how many days? Oh, 50 days, right? So seven weeks after the Passover, you count the Passover, that means that it's 50 days. As we think about this, right? As we think about this Feast of Weeks, right? As we're talking about the Feast of Weeks here, Remember I mentioned that Jesus was crucified on the Passover. You remember that, right? What day was Jesus crucified on? Everybody? The Passover. Okay, good. We all know. 
So if Jesus was crucified on the Passover, something happened in the church 49 days after that. It was an amazing thing that happened. It happened when there was 120 disciples in an upper room. Do you know what day that was? That was a day that the Holy Spirit was given to believers. It was a day of Pentecost. This was a day that the Holy Spirit came to dwell with us. This was a time that was prophesied back by the prophet Joel in chapter 2 when the Lord says that my spirit will come and dwell with all men. This was that time. See, for us, it, we don't call it the Feast of Weeks. We call it Pentecost. But we know that in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in the Septuagint, that it's called the Pentecost. And that's the way we know it as. See, Pentecost means 50. And this is exactly the day that the Holy Spirit came to dwell with us. I want you to understand one thing. That this day of Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Let's read about this. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, let's read. Let's read what happened so that we can all have a good understanding. In verse 1 of chapter 2 in the book of Acts, it says, When the day of Pentecost, Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in, the, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was an amazing time. See, one thing about the Holy Spirit, just so that we all understand, is that the Holy Spirit, in times past, before this time, He would only come at certain times. He would only come upon men at certain times. And what He would do is He would come upon them for a special purpose. What He would do is He would empower and enable the children of God to do certain things. This is when he came, and, and after it was done, he would leave. But not no more. No more would this take place. At this time, he came, and he came to dwell with each and every one of us that places our faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you caught what we read there, is that Many people were filled with the Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. Did you remember that I called this the birthday of the church, right? Who likes birthdays here? 
I think we all love birthdays, right? Because we know that we're all going to get what? We're all going to get gifts, right? We know that somebody's going to give us a gift. And we can't wait to receive these gifts. I mean, let's be true. We love gifts. And we like to be surprised sometimes. There's some people that don't want to be surprised, all right? They tell you what they want. But it's still a gift. And you love it. Well, if this is a church, the church's birthday, God knows that. You know what? Well, we love gifts, right? And so what is God going to do on, his, on the church's birthday? He's going to give us gifts. That's what he came to do. See, this is a day when God came and gave us, each and every one of us, gifts by his spirit. When we say yes to Jesus Christ, we all receive a gift. You may get one, some of you may get two, some of you may get three, four. Only God knows. But each and every one of you will not walk away without a gift when you say yes to Jesus Christ. And what are you supposed to use these gifts for? He doesn't want you to be selfish. Some of us, when we get gifts, they're mine, right? We don't like to share them with nobody. But see, God isn't a selfish God, is he? God says, you know what? When I give you a gift, that gift is for you. But I want you to use it to edify the church, to build it up. I want you to use it for my glory, for my honor. I want you to use these gifts so that others can say and, and look at you and say, man, I knew them. Look at them. Look at the way they, they do things. Look at the fact that they can talk the way they do. They preach and they teach and, and you know what? And they serve and you know what? They were selfish before and now look at them. They work for others. You know what? There's a list of gifts if you want to look at them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. And you can look at these gifts. There's different types of gifts. And these are the gifts that God gives to each and every one of us. To build up the church, to make it complete. God wants his church functioning and he knows that, you know what, that people need to exercise those gifts because God gave them to you to be used within the church within the body. We are all called to use these gifts. So ask the Lord. For some of you, you may not know what your gift is. Some of you do, and maybe you're not putting it into practice, and God isn't pleased with that because he wants you to put it into practice. And for those of you that don't know what your gift is, pray and ask the Lord to reveal it to you, and he will. And know that, you know what, try different things and see what, what flows right and what just seems to be natural to you. Because when you begin to do something that seems so natural to you, and you know what, and you know it's not done in your own strength, you know that this is what God has called you to do. But as we come back to this day, one thing that the Lord did on this day is that he added to the church. Did you know that 5,000 members came to the church on this day? Amazing, isn't it? Imagine if all of a sudden there were 5,000 members that were added to this church. Where would they sit? 
They wouldn't fit. We just have to do multiple services. But one thing that we know is that he added. He added to the church, and it was an amazing time. And one thing we know is that this is the way God works. You know what? It is the Spirit of God that moves within the body, but it is, God, it is the Lord that is ahead of the church. He is ahead of the body. And so when we look at these things, you know what we need to remember as we talked about the Feast of Weeks, for us it is a day of Pentecost. And understand that the work that God is doing here, it is His work and He will multiply it and He will do His work. And we know that where God guides, He will provide. And so with that, let us go back to Deuteronomy 16. In Deuteronomy 16, we're, we're going to read the next feast. It says, You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. When you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine presses, and you shall rejoice in your feast and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all your work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice. This was a feast of tabernacles. This was a feast that lasted seven days. The feast of weeks was actually one day. It was a, a day of Pentecost. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread was seven days. Remember, they didn't eat, eat yeast for seven days. This was another one. This was a Feast of Tabernacles. And what they were supposed to do, it was actually a festival that they were to have. It was actually a celebration on the completion of the harvest. And this happened actually in the month of Tishri. And what is the month of Tishri for us? Again, we don't have a Jewish calendar, but it takes place anywhere between September and October within our calendars. But there was something else in Leviticus 23 that the Lord instructed the Jews to do on the Feast of Tabernacle. He told them, you know what? I want you to do one thing. I want you to live in booths for seven days, just like your forefathers did when they were in the wilderness. They had to live in these places, in the desert. And so he told them, you know what? I want you to do the same. Why? He didn't want them to forget where they came from. See, understand one thing about the Lord is the Lord is so gracious and merciful that he provided for his people. And in providing for his people, he says, you know what? Don't forget what I've done for you. You know what? They lived in temporary dwellings. And now look, you're a nation. I formed you out of my graciousness and my mercy. It wasn't because of anything you did. It was just because of who I am. The same is for us. You know what? We have been so blessed by the Lord. You and I belong to the body of Christ. We know where we came out of. We know the wilderness that we were in. We know how pathetic and gross we were before. But we're not like that anymore. We've been changed. We've been redeemed. 
You and I are brand new people. And it is the Lord that receives glory and honor and praise for this. I want to talk about one final thing. And we're going to finish here in verse 16 and 17. It says, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. See, the Lord told, told them, you know what, there's these three times of the year where I want you all to come to this central place of worship, whether it be where the tabernacle was, and later we know that the temple was erected. It could be there. But God chose this place, and three times out of the year, all the men were supposed to go there. We also know that, you know what, some may say, well, what about the women? You know, the Lord is talking to the spiritual leaders here. As men, we are the leaders. And it's important that we understand that. How are you as men leading in your homes? Are we living up to the fact that we are the spiritual leaders, that we are the priest of our homes? There is no way that God is excluding the women and the children because he actually told them, when they come, they're supposed to partake in the feast too. So they were supposed to come. But he has a special message here for the men. Are we living up to what God has called us as men? You know, we have a high calling. You know what? God made us as men and God wants us to live up to the fact that we are the priest and we are the leaders one thing that we see that the Lord does, or one thing that we see that he asked of the men, I mean, oh, yeah, of the men, is he says, each one of you are to bring a gift. You shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord. You know, I look at this, right, and I think to myself, what does the Lord require of us? Is he asking anything of us? We know that God is gracious and God is merciful. But how is it that you and I can express our gratitude to the Lord? How is it that you and I can, you know what? Express, you know what, how thankful we are for all that he's done. When I think about this, I think to myself, what is it that I can do? You know, when I look at this and I think to myself, Lord, what are you asking me to do? And you know what keeps coming to my mind? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. You know what God is asking us? Just love me. Don't have other priorities before me. Express your gratitude. I've done so much for you. I've freed you from sin. I've forgiven you. 
I've conquered death. I saved you from the penalty of death. Or the penalty of sin, I should say. I saved you from death. You know what I'm going to do? And not only that, but I'm also going to allow you to reign with me in heaven above throughout eternity. I'm going to allow you to be in my presence. I'm going to allow you to have fellowship because I love you, because I'm gracious, because I'm merciful. You know, if God is asking something of you specifically, do what God is asking. Whatever that is, you know. You know, God is calling all of us to do certain things. You know what? Let us, let us obey the master. Let us do the things that he is call, calling us to do. Not because we want, because we think that he's going to love us more. It's not because of that. It's not because we think that, you know what, that we're going to have more favor in his eyes. It's not because of that. It's just because of who he is and what he's done. You and I remember who you were before. Just, you know what, not that you want to dwell on it, but just remember where you came out of. If you tend to remember that, you will have a lot more gratitude and appreciation for who he is. And with that, we're going to close. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for just your message on remembrance and rejoicing, Lord. Lord, we rejoice in you and all that you've done, Lord. Lord, no one else could do what you did. But you did it because of your love. You did it because of your grace. You did it because of your mercy. Not that we were special or not that we were bright and knowledgeable and maybe some attractive. You did it just because you love us. You did it because of your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for taking us out of the miry pit. We thank you for cleansing us and washing us and, and making us beautiful in your eyes. No one else could do this but you. Lord, I just want to tell you thank you. Lord, I thank you for all those that are here and the work that you've done in them. And Lord, may we express our gratitude by giving you our heart. If there's anyone here, if there's anyone here that wants all that God has for you, maybe your life is still one that's living in the pit. Maybe you want freedom. Maybe you want rest. Maybe you want joy. If there's anyone here that wants to just receive the forgiveness of God, the fellowship of God, whether you want to commit or recommit your life to the Lord, you can do that now if you want. If there's anybody that wants to do this, 
You can do it now by raising your hand, and we will pray for you. Amen. 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 Lord, you saw these hands that went up, Lord. Lord, they go up for you, Lord. They go up and surrender to you, Lord. They want you. They love you. And they want all of you, Lord. Lord, they're sorry. That's why they raised their hands, Lord. They're coming in repentance. May they change direction. And may they follow you all the days of their life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your message. Thank you for your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We can all stand.